Go Light presents Murder Most Irish. genuinely and you can leave all of this in being married is very difficult especially if you're married to a man yeah yeah Uh, full stop period yeah like i don't have to go into the detail (laughs) i don't have to explain anything it's just very difficult Mm -hmm. like there isn't a single decision not a single decision does graham make by himself but remember that guy who wrote into us on the Patreon who didn't know it was his dental appointment? Yeah. And he, his wife was like, we have to go. And he was like, I just got into the I car and went. Because I didn't, I, did, I didn't know what it was. And then he, he was like, she could have been taking me somewhere to murder and torture me. Yeah. And I'd have been like, okay, let's yeah. go. But um, like, is it just, is it just when they get married? Like, do are single, do single men do this? Single men live very differently. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe, yeah. Maybe they live very is. differently. I have, I'll tell you the name after the podcast, but okay. I have one single male friend who I would like, not regularly, but every now and then go see them yeah. in their house. And he lives with like three other males. Okay. And they live very differently than how girls okay. live. Maybe that's Like the like, house is never, never smells nice. Never clean. It's never not, it's never dirty but it's not like that finishing touch yeah like, like there's always like nice water smell. spots on the there's tap ca- oh no there's always like uh, wet cloths in the sink yeah, yeah and there's no. always like shit lying around the house yeah. where you're like does that not have a home put that like there's always yeah. a project that one of them was working on in the back of the kitchen that you go in and you're like what's this <laughs> and they're like oh that person has started to like he's bought a motorbike or this person is now growing plants from like scratch like there's always, always something going shit on. where you're like why would you live in this yeah. and then like on top of that like there's no curtain what is it with men not understanding that like curtains or blinds are a requirement so there's heavy they curtains don't have like curtains in the house this is a real normal common ma- every male that I've ever gone out with or meh or had some form of friendly relationship with where I've gone to their house before they've either gotten with a girl or are living with a bunch of men or renting yeah like it, unless the landlord puts like curtains or blinds on they the don't. glass they just have those heavy curtains that you pull across Oh, because they're like, why would you? Why I? That's not necessary. I only like these curtains are pulled all the time because I don't need any natural day. No light. Uh, because all I do is watch my telly and scratch my home. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're just giving out about men. Anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish. <laughs> uh, it's been a another... shout out to married people because it's you know what you're just doing it. A pay, patience, doing it. Patience that you know there isn't more murder in this country. That's yeah. all I'll say. Graham often say to me, I didn't know you felt like this. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't understand how you didn't. How do you not know? How do you not know? How do you not know? <laughs> like, it's what? Yeah, no, that's a very But you lo- But you're always, but you're happy. That's what you just say to me. But you're happy. Like, I'm not walking around miserable. I'm just telling you now at this very point in time. This is upsetting this is me. This is upsetting me. But like, why do you love me? <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't have one thing that you're upset about no. and all of a sudden it means you hate them and you want them so dead. That's, I think that might be the definitive difference between men and women because I think men 
don't have that no I think men are just like blah 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 blah, 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 blah. and like everything is fine and then fucking nice yeah it must be fucking nice like I don't often say to him there must be something I do that annoys you but I think Graham is just like not the way you annoy not the way the things I do annoy you about me (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what because I think a lot of the time they just they just kind of when they get I think maybe when they get they get married it's that thing in their brain when they're like well that's it now I don't have to make any further changes in my life. Yeah. And she married me exactly as I am. And I don't need to change anything ever for yeah. the next 50 years. So it's that kind of comfort level that they slip into. Whereas I don't think that happens to women. I think women are always looking for something like more. Come on, we do this. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. So I think maybe I'm like, I wrong. No, I maybe think I'm that, wrong. I don't well, know. I'm not married. Graham, I think that's the case. Like I quite often do be like, sure. Like I don't think in the history of our relationship, what is the one getaway there's been two there's been one holiday and one getaway yeah where graham has like been like i booked this right or do you want to go here yeah. every other holiday or place we have ever visited is me going hey i was online and i saw this thing do you want to come and him going yeah okay and if that didn't happen if you didn't do that would he not we wouldn't go anywhere and he wouldn't look really <laughs> yeah he doesn't even look like when i say to him we go to casada in spain yeah he just like he doesn't even look at like airbnbs i just look You're at like, them and go this is the one um he's having a great time yeah like he doesn't in any way the only time he's ever is we went to new york for my 21st birthday and oh, that was yeah, a big yeah, surprise yeah. and he booked a like fantastic hotel and yeah. then he brought me away once for my birthday and it was a terrible hotel yeah but you're picky about hotels no Emma this hotel hotel. was like honestly even he was like what the fuck when we got there he was like oh I'm sorry like oh was it that bad yeah it was like um, going to a hotel on Craggy Island oh no and it was full of old people oh no is this Uh, in Ireland yeah oh no Um, but no do you know what it was actually a really nice little trip like little thing but like he booked like a spa hotel and then when we got there it was just a leisure centre next door to the hotel where they put like a little like that's not a spa yeah and they were like here's a massage room and like we'll massage it in here and this room was like literally like the physiotherapist suite and I was like stop and it was freezing anyway um, <laughs> hi Graham because he's listening to this yeah no he does he always listens um, <laughs> poor Graham look my and we were having sex and someone walked into our room oh was that that, that time yeah and he still did happen days, like, that my rash happened. it's still there oh I mean that's why I have no idea I don't know what's going on I have a rash lads it's uh, the old herpes no you don't herpes, have herpes herpes, herpes, herpes. Rash, do you? No. I don't know I think herpes are like a a sore aren't they isn't a cold sore herpes? Yeah, but like a... But if, is that the that, only version of herpes? It is on your vagina. Or your... Yeah, herpes on your vagina. I presume. Okay, hold on. What do herpes look like? And we're going to be like... Aah! Have you ever had an STI? Never. What? Luckily. Do herpes... Luckily. Luckily. I all mean, the I sex you're e- having with all the random men. I, I could have easily called it... Uh... Oh no, Emma. Why yeah. are you Googling that? Oh, it just showed me an absolute open vagina. I was not expecting So that. it's in your vagina. I can't see them there. Oh. Oh, no, I don't want to be seen. I'll put that away now. Oh, it's like little, it's like little cysts. Little boily things. Little boily things. Do they hurt? I don't know. Oh, there's one in a dick. Is that boobs? Sorry. <laughs> I'm very confused. Is that a butt? That's the top of someone's butt. That's but that's herpes. But that looks like uh, it looks like like blisters, right? Looks like when people get what's that other one that's not chicken pox? That's very dangerous. Measles? No mumps. No, the one that you get when you're stressed. Shingles. Shingles. That's on a penis. Oh, that's on her testicle. God. 
<gasps> okay, we now Does know. Does it just look like an ingrown hair? It does look like an ingrown hair. Maybe I have had it in herpes. Yeah, you were about that spa. I had a spot in my vagina, but it never came back. This episode's called Emma Has Herpes. I do not. <laughs> listen, I do not have herpes. I've uh, never had an STI, but as I said, I've been very lucky never to have an STI because it can very easily happen. But I've been tested. They said, well done, you're great. They brought out the certificate. Never seen a cleaner vagina in our lives. It's very shallow. They had a certificate. But it's clean. And they said, look, well done. Your STI, well done, first and foremost, for getting your STI test. Well done for having sex, first and foremost. Yes, well done for getting someone to have sex. Well done on your clean vagina. Congratulations, you're very clean. it suck, though. Imagine, like, going out and, like, having sex with someone and then... But isn't that how a lot of people find out that their partner's cheating? Yeah, like chlamydia. Like, is there, like I've got chlamydia jazz, or I've got yeah, like yeah, yeah. something or another, and then it they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, suck. yeah. Like, imagine being like a long term relationship. You have to ring people when you've got chlamydia. Yeah. Like, imagine, imagine being in a long term relationship with somebody like six or seven years, and then all of a sudden you have fucking chlamydia. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, no. Everybody, like, regardless if you're in a relationship or not, you should just get STI. I get, get tested. tested. You can actually get tested. There's a free. You can get tests for free. There's a free website and I'm going to remember the name of this and you can just oh Jesus I keep opening it up to make pictures of vaginas. Hold on. <laughs> Is this uh, the one that sends you out a test? Yeah. Kit? Free sex. Nope. Not free sex Emma. Uh, free. <laughs> God only knows what I was going to put up there. Free STD test. It's called it's called sh24.ie so you just click order now you put in your date of birth your air code and it asks you if you're showing symptoms and then they send you out a kit to your house you do the kit and you send it back uh, yeah same thing in London yeah so you can so get a free NHS sends out your uh, yeah. free STI test so sh24.ie if anybody is out there is worried they have the old herps or the old oh imagine having uh, crabs crabs terrify me oh I, oh I think I would die like they're actual things crawling on you yeah but same as lice with lice I know, but they, like, they don't terrify me. Well, they terrify me. The uh, idea of anything... You know, now, now, this I, is a question. Go. And maybe I'm wrong. Go on. I don't know the answer. If you have crabs, if you just shave off all your pubic hair, no, do they go away? No, not. Because they lay, lay eggs. In your skin? In your skin, on your skin, yes. I don't... Because, like, if you've got lice, if you shave your head, they go away. Um. Oh, <laughs> I've got, like, the shivers now. No, Nearly got a letter home to the day to be like, please... Uh, and lice outbreak. Even a lice outbreak, please check here. And my mom did that thing that all parents do where they're like, uh, dirty, only goes in dirty hair. And I was like, that's an absolute myth. No, it doesn't. No. Anybody can get lice. And then when she said it, I was like, I had lice. Yeah, I had lice when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, I took them up in school. Um, I, I was like, so your sentence just means you're a dirty bitch. When I worked in a job that I won't mention, which mm-hmm. was only a couple of years ago, we got an email. Now, bear in mind, we are adults. We got an email saying there was a lice outbreak. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Got an email. And like literally the email came through and I could just see everybody doing this. Scratching. Immediately started scratching. Yeah. I was like, do I have lice? Um, but yeah, there was a lice outbreak in my job. No. Horrible. I remember the smell of that shampoo. I never got the shampoo. It was a bottle of the clear stuff. We got the shampoo. It smelled and, um, like death. I remember just being like, I'm not going to school tomorrow. It's like that time Everybody our, knows Lice It's like that time My mum wormed us And gave us too much of the <laughs> And we all like Shit ourselves Why did she have to be wormed? Is this from being on the farm I think cows? so yeah Like when we were kids Like because you can get worms You can pick up worms From anywhere I was never wormed But I think we had gotten them from We were in a Not a play school But like a An after school thing and apparently we picked them up from somebody in the after school thing. And it's really common in like the sand and yeah, stuff. My, my, we wormed and my mum said, she, she laughing about it. And I was like, mother, you poisoned us. Like we were shitting ourselves. It was so bad. Like I remember shitting in the bath. 
and he vomits like shitting on the toilet. Yeah, it was really bad. She was pissing herself laughing the last time she was telling me. I was like, <laughs> Kathleen, you poisoned us. Yeah. But, because I was just like, she's not really the pack. And she was like, I did put it. <laughs> but you know, there is that thing, because sometimes, and this is, uh, I only did this after Lily got taken into hospital when she had the reaction to the antibiotic. Yeah. Um, and for like two days, because the doctor didn't know she was having an allergic reaction to the antibiotics, so they just thought that she was like much sicker than she was. Right. And um, the doctor was like, just keep giving her nerve and to keep her um, temperature down. Okay. And I couldn't get her temperature to go down. And then her temperature spiked. Remember Liam was in the house and I had to go yes. to the hospital? I had to bring Lenny to the hospital. I remember this um, And her temperature spiked to like, it was really high. I was in the 40s. And I was worried that she's going to have like a seizure. And she was like really like dozy on the sofa. And she'd got this rash. So I was like, she got meningitis. Um, So we went to A&E. And when we got to A&E, they just gave her like, when I say like ginormous syringes of Nurofen, they took her weight and then gave her like pumped her with Nurofen like in her mouth. Was that to drop her temp? And that brought her temperature down straight away. And then we had to stay in. And then the doctor that night was like, um... It, because of her, they were like the recommendation, the recommended dosage on the box is specific to weight, but they don't give you that information on the box. Oh. And she, he was like, so if your daughter or your child is like outside of the percentile or in the highest yeah. of that percentile, sometimes if they're very sick, you're like making like not enough of an impact with the medication to get their temperature to that come down. Sense. And what you're doing is like almost stabilizing their temperature at that like a sense. certain. And I was like, all right. And he was like, for your kid, like you, because at the time I think our recommended dosage was like five mil. He was like, you need to go to 10 mil. So, so ever like, since then, oh yeah, but like they gave her like, it wasn't 10 mil. It was like fucking 40 mil or something they gave her to get her to temperature, to get her temperature. Um, But um, he was like, yeah. But ever since then, I give her 10 mil and now she's in the like, age where like it would be 10 mil um but i always give her like a little bit more like 12 mil now you're getting her fucked up um well she uh, to be fair like she very very rarely needs any more cowpaw or nerve and like no like i haven't like probably like maybe once every two months okay um sometimes i lie to her what do you mean sometimes she (laughs) says she has like a pain in her foot or she's a grown pain or a pain in her head and then i just give her like a syringe full of like sugary yeah, water yeah and you're like you're fine and I'm like here's the medicine and then she's that like that old placebo and then immediately she's like I feel so much the better the old placebo effect um I can always tell with Lily when she's actually sick and when she's play acting well sometimes she she gets awful growing pains yeah you were telling me that actually awful growing pains well, my little sister used to get really bad growing pains Catherine because she's super tall yeah and she told me she used to lay in bed at night and she could physically feel her legs growing she was like the pain was so bad yeah. Um, and she obviously thought that there was something wrong with her. The doctor was like, she's grown. She's nearly six foot now, so. Yeah, Lily gets them in her feet now. Aww. So she just feel like, oh, my feet are really hurt me. But then I get really worried. I get really stressed out about her. For about like. What do you think it is? Oh, you hear all these awful stories. Don't. Like, I googled rashes today and it went from heat rash to uh, you're nine months pregnant and you don't know it. <laughs> So I was like, all right, to death. Um, yeah. To this I, is the end. Um. I don't, I don't ever, I try my best not to like go online and Google it, but. I, I know, it's the natural I never actually do, uh. was Googling like pains in her legs or anything. I was just reading a story about like this one mother that was telling the story and one of the symptoms was this. And I was like, oh Jesus. No, she's fine. Um, Lily is really healthy. I know, but you know, you just when you've got a kid, you're like. Oh, I'd say your mind is constantly on the worst case scenario yeah. at any point. Um, that's why we're child free here. Yay. Child free, baby. Um, how was your week? 
It's nice. I was also in Cork for the weekend and I got fed goodio. Oh yeah, it's I got the best food. You want made the heat yesterday? Good food. She made me fresh prosciutto. She made a prosciutto mix and like made bread and we had that. Pushed it. And then we she made fajitas last night and they were so good. And then we had Jameson and ginger ale. It was so nice. I had a lovely time. And Aww. then I got up this morning and she made pancakes with fruit. And then before I left, I had tomato soup and bread bread. And I was like, look at this adult. I feed me square meals. <laughs> I don't get up in the morning. I'm like, I'll just have that refresher bar that I got for free. Um... <laughs> About two weeks ago I don't eat shop. like you I eat like uh, you like, I have breakfast I have lunch breakfast. and dinner Every day And <laughs> I make it <laughs> So I'm like, I'm like I got a free refresher When I went to the Somewhere that I was like I'll just eat that Be grand <laughs> Oh I know where I went I went to a restaurant With Flavio When I was in Scotland And uh, the, they gave you the bill And they had like Refresher sweets on it And the other morning I was like It's breakfast That's <laughs> <laughs> breakfast But yeah I love you when I speak I'm trying to think Did I do anything did I do anything? Did we do anything? I went, I got filling. Oh. Uh, it was fine. Okay, good. The dentist said, hey, do you want to be... <gasps> we booked New York. We booked New York. Did I tell you about the dentist asked me, did I want to be numbed? And you said no. No, did you not? No, this, that was when I got my stitches out. Stitches, oh, no, I was I like, I'm not a bother to take them out. Yes, again. Uh, went in Thursday morning, like my routine appointment to get yes. my filling, one of my many fillings. <laughs> uh, sat in a chair. She said, hey, Sarah Jane, how are you? I said, I'm grand. She said, how's the other side healing? I said, yeah, it feels all right. Yeah. She's blah, blah, blah. She said, uh, okay, so which, what filling do you want to do today? And I was like, I don't know, you tell me. And she was like, okay, so we'll start with this one up here on the top right. And I was like, right, grand. And then she went to me, do you want to be, do you want me to numb you? And I just went to her as opposed to what? And she was like, um, not being numbed. And I was like, do some people not get numbed for fillings? And she was like, yeah, some people. And I went to her. And these words came out of my mouth at Numb quarter seven in the morning. Bitch. I said, people who don't get numbed for this are sadists and are having a wank after they, <laughs> after they go home. They're like, yeah. It's like, you need to stop offering that as a service. No, it was the option was there. It was option, completely optional. I was like, sir, give, what do you mean? You're going to drill a hole in my tooth. I can't deal with dentists. Like, I think people who come, I don't care. I'm going to say this. If your dad's a dentist, your mom's a dentist, sadists. Sadists. Your main job is to cause pain. It is very much. But they're doing I it know, for... Like, I love dentists. Dentists are No, amazing. she actually meant that. Um, no, I don't. Dentists are But great. Lily's going to dentist on Saturday for her first checkup. Ooh! It's the Irish government. They're a joke. You're supposed to get your teeth checked up yeah. for free when you're five. Lily is seven and still has not gotten her appointment. So I'm paying for her to go. Just go. Yeah, it's better just to go um, and get it. We used to have a dentist that came to our school. They don't really do that we anymore. We used to get checkups in school. And then do you remember? Or they used to bring you in and give you a fucking injection? Do you, did you have those people that came around with with the triangle cups? This is not a thing. <laughs> this is a thing that happened a long Sorry? time. I know this happened somewhere else. They used to come once every every while. I think they were dentists. I don't know. Uh, they could have from the Catholic Church just trying to be like but these come around with these little triangular cups that were yeah, like so that. the cups that like and then you, you drink, can't put down and you have to drink. drink. And they gave us stuff to swirl in our mouth and then spit out and then they left. And I don't know what that was. Well, no, there is a thing and they, I know Nikita had this done. Okay, well maybe it's... it's where a, they came and they swirled the thing around your mouth and then the next day it would show if you had like any no, real big cavities. Nothing, they just didn't come back. Sorry, what? So I don't know. No. If anybody else experienced this, I know my sister's 
definitely did. Anybody that I went to the same school as me definitely had this when I went to school, primary school. What do you mean they never came back? They just went, they just made you drink the stuff and then they left and they came back with more stuff at some other point. But you spit it out. You spit it out! And they had the little triangular cups and you just gave them back. I don't know. For five, six years that I was in primary school. <laughs> if anybody has any answers. We also used to have this man called Mr. Doby that came around. Yeah. Anyone who's from the Midlands probably knows this. And he used to show us these. He'd come in and he'd show us like religious videos. Pure propaganda. So he put in a video. And then I remember one time he brought in a, a video. And I remember being young and being going, this is not right. That the dinosaurs weren't real. What? And I just remember turning around and looking at my teacher and being like, what is this? Yeah. And then I was like, but the, the dinosaurs are real. The science, science says the dinosaurs are real. And he's like, well, the Lord doesn't say that. And blah, blah, went off at me. Ever see that uh, picture that someone draws and it's a priest <laughs> and it's the Jesus behind you going, yeah. tap on the dinosaurs. <laughs> well, yeah, he used to come. His name was Mr. Doby. And he came when I was in primary school. And then he came one time when I was in secondary school. And I was like, not this fucking dinosaur denying motherfucker again. <laughs> and he showed us the video again with the dinosaurs. What? And I was like, this is propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a very odd voice. Mr. Doby. Mr. Doby was his name. Yeah. No, That's, that never happened to me. Anybody school. in the Midlands is going to remember that. And then the... Here, do you know what? Lily came home um, oh, the other day. You know, she was telling Graham she wasn't telling me because me and her uh, have a difference of opinion on religion. Okay. <laughs> and um, she said to Graham that... God's not real, Lily! <laughs> she was telling him about St. Bridget. Aww. Now I do not know the story of St. Bridget but some of them are making a school. You're a heathen. Right and uh, Did you ever make St. Bridget's crosses no. at school? We had a very We did but I wasn't allowed to make them because I got stupid hands. We did. <laughs> they were like Sarah you colouring yeah, a picture. Quite it was same with knitting I wasn't allowed to do knitting at school. Oh, um, anyway <laughs> they were like fucking idiot. They probably were giving all the smart kids whatever was in that code. <laughs> I'd just be like, like, don't give it to Sarah Jane. They're, they're like, they can make the St. Bridger crosses. The rest of them, out. <laughs> um, you were probably getting like fucking fortified fucking fluoride or so something. I'd say Colin knows what it is. And I was, they were like, ew. Um, anyway, she said, I don't know what happens in the story, but something about like, they came down and like, I can't remember it, the St. Bridger story. It either. had appeared. And Graham was like, oh, that's amazing. And he said something like, maybe someone came and did it. And she said, no, God came and did it. And he was like, well, how do you not? Like, he was like, okay, are you sure it was God? And she was like, yeah, it wasn't anybody. It other than it was God. And then whatever happened in the conversation, two of them stopped talking about it. And then I came home from work and he was like, here, Lily was talking to me about the St. Bridget. And I was like, all right. And then he told me about the God thing. He was like, I feel mad uncomfortable about it. And I was like... Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I was so like, well, like we've sent her to a school that's a religious school. school. Like, we can't do that thing. If it's a religious school, that's what they're going to teach. I was her, like, like, if you want to send her somewhere else, we need to make like we should have made a decision a long time ago. But she's in like senior infants. Yeah. Like, you can't. There's she's in a school yeah. that's connected to a church that's going to be teaching them religion. That religion is going to be taught. But it's mad because you kind of I've I've forgotten how religious my school was until recently because Catherine's kids are starting to go to like primary school does Fionn go to uh, a religious school no it's not religious it's not secular so I think I think it's secular yeah but yeah it's mad when I think back and I was like I fully but I was like yeah no Jesus did that and God did that and as I said it's fine if you believe that no disrespect to anybody's religion but as I said we weren't given a choice 
it was like God did this and yeah. then we had motherfuckers coming in with an anti-dinosaur anti-dinosaur like, thing Colin, is mental Colin come here for a second I'm going to ask him about that drink I hope to, I hope he doesn't remember and I hope it's only happened to you did, when you were in primary school in Newtown Cashel yeah. did people used to come around with those triangle cups with the stuff yeah and you used to, you used to sushi yeah what was that so, I don't know and Mr Dobby used to Mr Dobby I'm just talking to Mr Dobby yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Show you the no dinosaur video. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus videos and all that. Yeah. And yeah. oh, we just yeah. like this fucking boy. Yeah. 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 There we go. We had the same childhood. That did not happen to me. No, that we had the same childhood. But okay. as I said, there wasn't a lot of hope for me in school. So <laughs> they were like, "We give it up." Have you any housekeeping? Housekeeping. Yeah. Oh. Down, down, down in it. Housekeeping. Uh, really for me, it was the ladies who there was a couple of ladies that messaged us to be like, "Hey, if you win the lotto, yeah, this is how you scam the system. This is how you gotta like. So we gotta do it together, and we gotta sign the back of it. So both names on the back, of and it. then you get half tax free, baby. Or like if Graham is on the dent, then like it's turt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, break it up. Um, I'm going to talk with Joe Rogan next. Oh, ah, fuck that guy. What the fuck? 70 episodes were quietly taken down from Spotify in the middle of the night. What? Of Joe, oh yeah, Joe Rogan Experience. 70 episodes got taken down without any notification, without anybody knowing, and that story had not broke yet. And every episode that got taken off Spotify was the one where he used the N-word openly. Was he just saying the N-word? Was he just saying the N-word? There is a five minute and 26 second montage of Joe Rogan saying the N-word repeatedly in his podcast. Repeatedly. Why has this not been brought to life? Uh, because people because uh, people don't care. Yeah, because his fan base are fucking scum. Because people That's are like, why. um, and then Fuck like, on Twitter, people were like, the context, context. And What's then, the context? You're what white? I love about Twitter what? is people were like, okay, we'll get you context. And then they went and got every clip and got like the four minutes before it. And we're so like, you where's could the context? To the, and they were like, tell me what context. There's one, ep- there's one clip in particular where it's like another guy on the show with him and I think it's like some guy that's regularly on the show and the guy is telling a story about someone being called the n-word and he says the n-word he doesn't say the word yeah 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 and Joe Rogan goes say the word say the word and the guy kind of looks at him because the Joe Rogan experience is like recorded live like as in it's filmed and he's like say the word and then the guy says the word the guy's white and like incredibly white um and he says the word and then the two of them laugh for two minutes. Just laugh about the fact that they've both said the N-word. What's wrong with him? And then now he's he's released a statement that was like, I'm not racist. You but I could racist. see why if that was taken out of context. There, there's no context. But I have to think about really strongly about why I think it's okay. There's an, why I think it's okay to use that word. And then he does, and there's another okay. episode, another like clip where he says, um... I don't understand why white people don't have like a similar type word where like we can use it for loads of different things and it's only for white people. And I was like, you... Ballsack. And when I tell you, poor Graham, I was cooking breakfast today and I hadn't eaten, I got up really early and I didn't eat until half twelve. And I hadn't even like read anything what you're going to say. But Graham came in and he was like chatting to me about something. I went on like a 25 minute (laughs) rant about like how like much I load... I was like, do you, like, I was like, do you know what I don't understand? I was like, I don't understand. Because Graham was like, I've never listened to him. And I was like, yeah, what I don't understand is why this small, bald, moronic, 
mediocre, mediocre white man yep. is on the internet and it's the most famous. And then, do you know what I said to him? Do you know what? I do understand. I understand. Because other white, mediocre, yeah. white it. men think that somehow yeah. he has some form of voice. And that he, they're like, oh, I think these things are Joe Rogan yeah, saying. And, that's, and that's all it is. And I was like, yeah. and I think these things and someone else is validating me. So it must be totally fine to, to take And people them. think he's funny. People think he's funny. Which is the worst part. I'm like, you think this ball sack, walking ball sack is funny. And then he's on the online or telling people not to take the vaccine and pumping testosterone into his body. He's vaccinated. Like, it, of course he's vaccinated. It's like all the Fox channel. Yeah. The entirety of the Fox channel is vaccinated and they're on the TV telling people not to get vaccinated. Yeah. And then, like, I've been because I've been like, the other thing is like, people are like, you've never even seen a Joe Ro- listen to a Joe Rogan episode. It's like, I don't need to. I don't need to. I don't need to. Like, if you're defending him, if you're, I uh, do if not you, need if to. If your white ass is on Twitter, Defending a white man saying the N N-word. word. I don't need to listen to what he's saying yeah. because I know exactly what's going on. And he was like, on. the context is, I was what's telling context? the story. Like, so his, his argument was, in some of those scenarios, I was talking about people being called the N word and telling the story of it and how bad it was. And I was like, no, no, you're white. You do not get to say and it. You, or your friend, you made your friend say the N word and then laugh for two yeah. minutes. No. no, no. Joe Rogan's always been a piece of shit. He's been a piece of shit since day numero uno, and all the fucking comedy bros love him because he's a. Te- and the reason he's doing a podcast because he's a failed stand up comic. I need. I just wish everybody would just tell him that to his face. He's an unfunny, dangerous prick. That's what he is. Yeah. Did you see the video of Conor McGregor eating a brunch? What the fuck? That video of your man being like, Conor, are you eating my brunch? <laughs> Maybe laughs. So I only had one brunch left. <laughs> you took fucking brunch. <laughs> I was like, what is? I was not. I didn't know. I because I not, hadn't seen that oh, video. Oh no! So when he went upstairs, and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going weird on? Weird is video. I say this. I love a brunch. I love Do you a like brunch? a brunch. Love a brunch. Love a brunch. In Disneyland, uh, in summertime, they have a thing called a straw, a strawberry shortbread crunch cookie. Oh fuck me! And it is a vanilla cookie. With strawberry ice cream and then they roll it in those giant biscuits like a brunch but it's ginormous and they only do them at a specific point in the year so we couldn't get it when we were there. But I would absolutely go by. I've watched people eat them on the internet in slow motion. That sounds unreal. Like they look unreal. Uh, Will I tell my story? We should do your story. Because she is long. Attention feminists. Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain boring old teas getting you down. Hey buddy, does your honey scream funny duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug. Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third-party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com. This week, I'm going to tell the story of Father Noel Malloy. Oh, you were talking about this last week. Which was requested by my mother. By your mama! And if she listens to this episode... Caroline! How are you, ma? That's why I haven't said anything bad about you. How are you? So I think you might listen. (laughs) How's it going, ma? Don't listen back to any of your episodes. (laughs) Um, So... Niall Malloy was born in 1933. He was the youngest of eight children. 
from the Carra Row House Estate in County Roscommon, and it's a proper like like they're like a big estate, a family. Oh yeah, yeah, like money. Like money, money, money. Um, and you can go stay there now and have your wedding Ooh, there. It's very with pretty. the ghosts. Yeah, with the ghosts now. Pretty ghosts. It's pretty hot. Um, his father was a farmer and a senator. Oh, excuse yeah. me. He sat in the upper house of the excuse senate. Me. Are good. Yeah, very good, very good. All of the monies. All of the money. Father Malloy enjoyed a privileged upbringing in the Georgian Carrow House in County Roscommon. He had an interest in livestock, but he loved horses. And in his final year of college, he decided to become a priest. Isn't that weird? He got all the riding out of the He's way. He's very pretty. Was he? Yeah. Like a real, like, handsome man. A beautiful man. Like a handsome man. He was a beautiful boy. A beautiful boy he was. He was a beautiful boy. Final year of college he decided to come. Do you know what that is? Because he got the ride now. He got the ride now the way in college. Now there was many a rumour around the town that he was still doing the riding. Oh! Well, I believe it. I won't darken his name, but... Well, I believe it. There was well, Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, he was ordained in the 50s and he spent the first years of his career as an army chaplain. So he like oh. joined the military and went around as priest. Wow. He spent time abroad in Cyprus, which I'm sure everybody's like, Cyprus? Wow. Cyprus in the 50s is in the like, depths of a, like, a, a war. He was there in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's her face was there in the 50s too? What's the, the, the queen's husband that died? Philip. Yeah, his sister was, was a, in Cyprus. She was a nun in Cyprus. Oh. And she had like schizophrenia. You told me that story before, actually, yeah. Mm. Uh, and she had, like, a vow of, like, silence. And how people found out she was there is she went in the, like, middle of the war. Um, She, like, looked after an orphanage with right? her nun, with, like, the other nuns, her yeah. nuns. And she went to, like, sell this, like, diamond, like, this, not diamond, what's, like, a blue... Like a ruby? No, what's the blue one? People are screaming. Yeah. Anyway, she went to, like, sell this, like, gem... And they were like, this belongs to like the royal family. <laughs> she was like, it's fucking mine, you cunt. Anyway, I'm off topic immediately. Okay, like, not go. even first paragraph in. We're back in. Okay. So he eventually made his way back home and he became a curate in his diocese of Elfin. Father Malloy was liked in the local town. He had many friends and locals in the community and he would spend time with... He would spend time weekly outside of being a priest. So, like, he would spend time with, like, everybody in the village. And it wasn't just about being a priest. He yeah. was genuinely, he like, a nice dude. Yeah. He began, became friends with Teresa Breen when he was a young man before he became a priest. And when he came back to Roscommon, they became even close friends, opting into an informal business arrangement around, like, buying and selling horses. Okay. When Senator Malloy died, so his father, Niall was left a considerable sum of money, about £65,000, which is equal to about half a million euro in today's Oof. money. Theresa now married to Richard Flynn, who also uh, was quite wealthy. Both father Niall and Theresa invested heavily in their equestrian business. They bought land and they had a full-time groom employed um, and Niall apparently had like a great eye for like like a horse, like a good stock horse. Richard Flynn, who Theresa married, was a very wealthy businessman and he started his business as a farmer, but he eventually like sold the house, moved out of farming and a large percent of the town was directly employed by the businesses he held in the Midlands. Oh, wow. Um, 
he and Teresa purchased Kilcorsey House in Clara Roscommon, which is another great big like Georgian wealthy house, like really old. Yeah. This property was vast and it's it's set on 60 acres of land and it had over 25 bedrooms. Holy shit. It's like really big. This is a gaff. And I said, I wrote, so they were straight up rolling in it. Oh, they were. Oh, it's a big time. She had a grill. They were rolling. Absolutely. Had a 1950s grill She had house. a fucking grill. Yeah. She had one of those blue diamonds. <laughs> and don't, and what the fuck are they called? What are they called? Listen, I'm, you know what, there now we have to. No. Okay. No, we'll never know. Sapphire is green. Ruby is red. So we were straight up rolling in it. Father Malloy was a big part of the family home and he had his own office and uh, he had a bedroom in the house as well. Okay. The horses were kept on the 60 acres of land and the business for Nile and Teresa seemed to be going really well from the outside looking in Richard Flynn and his family were all doing well but that was not really the case oh so Niall was definitely doing well and Teresa was definitely doing well but Richard was not was not yeah and he'd like multiple businesses like like the biggest business he had is they used to sell like car parts Oh, and so he was married to this lady, but she was doing well, but he wasn't. Yeah, okay. she like, but in all intents and purposes, like she was making money with with Father Nile. Yeah, but like he. Oh, she was doing he, with Father Nile. There is no reason to think why anything else is going on. You know what? You're right. Platonic, but platonic the, friendships are real. But the rumor in the village was that like they were, and not not her village, his village, because okay. he was a priest. And he would talk about, like, he was friends with all the people and he yeah, would talk yeah, yeah. about her and they would be seen with each other and he would be quite often leaving his diocese to go to her parish okay. to stay in her house. Okay. Like. So people were kind of like. Yeah. And by all intents and purposes, he was like a straight white man. Straight white man. Who loved God he so loved much Jesus. that he didn't have sex. He loved Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that a weird thing to be like, do you know, I love Jesus so much <laughs> that I'm that not, not going to have a wank. I'm not going to have a wank. Because Jesus is watching me at every point. Isn't that insane? I've, give, I've given my body to the Lord. Not gay at all, is it? Really gay. <laughs> Homosexuality. All priests are gay. That's what I'm calling this episode. <laughs> we get one of those cease and desist from the Catholic Church. <laughs> no. Niall's sister had noted that he was out of sorts in like the couple of weeks coming up to the next event. Right. He and his sister had recurring phone call appointments so they would speak nearly every Saturday. Uh, not Saturday, on a Sunday. So they would speak nearly every Sunday. And on June 8, 1985, Niall met his sister Susanna in Newtown, Cashel County, Longford. That's where Colin's from! Oh, that's why I put it in there, because no that way. really is not information that anybody needs. That's from Colin, Colin's hometown, lads. Whilst out for a walk, she asked Niall if there was anything on his mind. He said no, but he kind of seemed out of sorts. Right. She told him if he needed to talk, she was always there. She spoke to him again on the phone on June 30th. And again, he kind of seemed out of sorts, but he said he was all fine. And he said there was nothing for her to worry about. She also noted that his car had like damaged onto the back of it. And he said that someone reversed into him okay. in the car park. And she was like, all right. And he kind of was kind of alluding to the fact that he didn't have money to like get it fixed. Okay. Which wouldn't be like, like yeah, this entire family. Like, like, but on, this entire minted. family are fucking min- yeah. minted. Um about a year previous to this, Richard, Theresa Flynn and Father Niall Malloy had gone to Flynn's solicitors. Father Niall was told that Richard was a bit was in a bit of financial difficulty and he needed cash. An agreement was made up at the time that Father Niall and Theresa would buy some land off Richard from the Kilcorsey property to the tune of £35,000. I don't know like why he agreed to this because like she's effectively 
giving her husband money for property that she already she owns. Already owns it. They would re- they would give Richard a deposit of twenty five thousand pounds there and then on the spot, and the deal would be done immediately. Um, in order for the deal to be complete, it would need to be sanctioned by the land commission. So Niall gave eleven thousand pounds, and Theresa gave the rest. They gave the cash to Richard in the solicitor's office. Subsequently, the deal fell through in the land commission. However, Father Niall does not appear to have ever been given his money back. Okay, that's a lot of money. The solicitor advised Father Nile rang many times and visited the office himself on a number of occasions in a year, in the year before 1985 and in 1985. And the solicitor advised that they would be unable to represent him as they would have a conflict of interest due to the already representing the Flynns. There is also a statement to say that Theresa Flynn had spoken to the solicitor on this matter and was discussing the details of like why Father Malloy was contacting them regarding the outstanding £11,000. Okay. Ralph Park... So Ralph Parks married Maureen Flynn, the daughter of Teresa and Richard, on July 7th, 1985, on the grounds of Kilcorsey House. It was a day. It was a two-day lavish affair with a marquee being erected on the property. Ooh. There was a big party after the ceremony but Father Malloy did not attend the ceremony as he was carrying out mass in his parish on the morning of the wedding. Okay. He arrived for the party after the wedding for the reception. Many of the guests knew Father Malloy well and a lot of them floated a lot of them floated in the same horsey nonsense circles. <laughs> you like horses or I like horses? I do like a horse. Do you love a horse? I love a horse. Oh, she's a sexy horse. <laughs> and then I said, rich white people buying horses, you know the type. Yeah, 100%. I always say that whenever I think someone, whenever I hear someone's like rich, I'm like, horsey people. Horsey people. You know, horsey people, they've got that fucking money, lads. Mm, horses are expensive. Fucking rich as fuck. Unless you're in Ballier. They're real cheap if you're in Ballier. One of Flavia's friends loves horses. And he didn't understand why I said this. Like she loves horses, and I was like, "Is she rich?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's not got to do with anything." I was like, Flavio, poor people don't have well, no, poor people do has horses, but it's an into the west situation. It's a different situation. Oh, Tata, lads, and his brother, if you like, want like, something to do this weekend, watch, watch into, into the, the west. west. Turn Tata. 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 my my old house is in that is in that film. Oh really? Yes, yeah, so they um come down my road in Legoland. Yeah. Uh, on the horse. On the horse. Yeah, yeah. When they're running through the villages. It's an into the west situation. If you're poor, what a horses. fucking great movie! Great movie. I give Gabe Ribber one of that money. Or that no, movie. no. Oh, give him two. Uh, I someone's ma I know is the image Gabe Ribber. Telling me this is like, more fucking image. <laughs> and even had that leather jacket and that earring. <laughs> I was like, I can't write. A ringer. A ringer. <laughs> Anyhow, anyhow, to all outsiders looking in, all looked well. Father Niall was in great form and laughed and joked with Richard and Teresa all through the night. So he went back home that night as he was to give mass on Sunday morning. But then he left and headed straight back to Kilcorsey to continue. So Sunday did mass. Yep. Said, all right, lads. I'm out. Jesus be with you and all that shit. Going to see the horses. I'm off to see the horsey people. So he headed back up the road to Kilcorsey to continue the wedding celebrations as there was a lunch buffet being held in the marquee. By 5pm, most of the guests had left the estate. There was just the Flynn children and close friends left. At around 7pm, the Flynns left and visited their neighbours with Father Noel also. Most of the family had gone to the local pub, but two had stayed behind with their Aunt May. 
Teresa, Father Nile, and Richard returned, according to these people, around 9pm. Right. And the two girls headed off to meet the rest of the Flynns in the pub. They stayed until closing time, headed to David Flynn's in Tubber for coffee. So David Flynn is like Richard Flynn's son. So they headed, all of the people that were in the pub, stayed until closing, headed to David Flynn's for coffee and sandwiches in Tubber. And a group of them left there at 12.45, according to their statement. They headed back to Kilcorsi House and they all said all of the above in identical unison statements. So all the same. All exactly the same. There's like at least 11 people included in these statements. With there's all little to no, the same Like the exact same timings. And their statements were all given by a solicitor. Oh. Uh, which we'll get into as we get into the story. When they arrived, Father Malai was lying upstairs in the bedroom, already dead or dying. Oh shit! So they came back at 12.45 to Kilcorsey House. And according to them, Father Malai was already upstairs... Some of them said dead. Some of them said dying. Yeah. They reported the time to be around 1am. Now, for some odd reason, David Flynn decided to call the local priest, Father James Dignam, and told him to come to the house immediately because, you know, that's what you do in an emergency. Call the fucking ambulance, you thick. He also said to the priest, you must be prepared to anoint someone for their last rites. How'd you know that? How'd you know that, sir? So the priest showed up, up um, anointed this man. I know nothing about any of this. Anointed him, and the man was so badly beaten, he couldn't tell who he was. Oh my god, he was beaten! He could not tell that it was his friend. His face was so bad. And priest. Oh, Father Malloy. That's fucking awful. So. Jesus Christ, what the fuck? At 2am, a doctor was called from Kilbegan, about 20 minutes away, which is unusual because there is a doctor in the village much closer. The doctor was called, the doctor that was called is the family doctor. He was brought to the house by Father Dignam and Zandra Flynn, who's the daughter to Richard and Teresa. Dr. Daniel O'Sullivan said Father Malloy was dead by the time he'd arrived, but he was warm to the touch. So, like, he hadn't been dead away. long. Yeah. But this is like now, we're now, like, this guy's been lying on the floor for how many hours? So, they called a priest? Yeah. Then, the priest that came had to call the doctor. fucking doctor. And then the priest and the daughter went and got him. Oh, this is not looking good at all. He was not long dead. And Teresa was in a bedroom in absolute hysterics. Dr. O'Sullivan had to sedate her and then he brought her to Tullamore Hospital. So this guy's still lying dead. No one's called the guards. And he's now, the doctor is now left with the wife. With the, to bring her to the hospital. And she was admitted. What the fuck is going on? At 3.15am is when Father Dignam decides to contact the guard. Good times. The parish priest contacts the local Garda and asks if the matter could be dealt with quietly and privately. Oh, this is so fucking Irish Catholic Church. The sergeant notifies his superior immediately and says it can't be dealt with quietly. And and he would be unable to keep it quiet as a man had clearly died in a violent manner. Of course. Sergeant Ford arrives at the house at 3.30. He immediately is brought upstairs to Father Niall Malloy. He noted there was blood on the man's face, but it had been like his face had been cleaned. 
Jesus. And an eight-foot bloody drag mark along the carpet. Oh, for fuck's sake. Richard Flynn was sitting calmly downstairs drinking a cup of coffee and he seemed to be completely unbothered by the situation and he referred to the scene as a messy L business upstairs. Oh, this is not looking good. Father Niall Malloy was in his and Teresa's bedroom. So, like, the priest is in their marital bedroom. Dead. What the fuck? The Tullamore inspector arrived. Richard Flynn immediately told him calmly, I'm the culprit. He's sitting downstairs, by the way, in like his pyjamas with slippers on, a house coat, drink, just drinking coffee. And tells the police, I, I'm, I'm the culprit. culprit. The inspector then immediately tried to figure out what had happened. He asked Richard Flynn if he had found Teresa and Nile in a compromising position, given the fact that the priest was lying dead on the ground of his bedroom. He said, no, this was not at all the case. He said this was just all over a silly row, over who would get the next drink downstairs. He said his wife Teresa had attacked him and he had knocked Teresa unconscious. So he said he punched Teresa full force in the face. And he said he hit Father Malloy twice and twice alone. Richard then declined to give a full statement in the early hours of the morning and advised he would give one to the guard the next day. This man's still not arrested, by the way. What? Man's just sitting in his house. He's never arrested. And there's an eight foot blood drag mark. On Monday the 9th of July, the detectives were in and out of the house. Father Malloy was still in the house. He was lying on his back. His arms are... So there is like a reconstruction. He's lying on his back. His arms lay wide across and his legs neatly together. The room appears to be devoid of disturbance. And every guard kind of noted that. Nothing that would lead you to think that there was a violent altercation, but there was blood spatter around the room in the adjoining and in the adjoining bathroom. Someone had washed their bloody hands in the sink. A postmortem done the same day found lacerations to Father Malloy on the left side of his mouth and he had a split lip. Along with bruising all over his face, he had no wounds indicating he had violently hit or punched someone. So he didn't try and like hit somebody, which is what this guy said had happened. Okay. He had acute brain swelling and a brain hemorrhage. And this is, had been caused by blows to the face. He'd been hit, they reckon, about five or six times, possibly more. But he hadn't been hit with anything. The priest that read Father Malloy his last rites on the night in question said Father Malloy was so badly disfigured that he did not know it was him until someone told him. Father Malloy showed no signs of trying to defend himself. There was blood found on the bedspread, the duvet and the clothes at the end of the bed. This was in disarray as if someone had been sleeping in the bed when the attack had begun. He had also clearly been dragged across the room near to the bathroom. So I reckon someone tried to like wake him up with water and that's why his face was partially clean oh okay so and I reckon like the water in the away. bathroom and the blood on the sink is someone like going and getting and water. water yeah there was also blood on the TV the bedpost the closet door and in the sink in the bathroom later on the same day the 9th of July detectives arrived to take the statement from Richard as agreed the night before but Flynn's solicitor said no statement would be given that day Jesus, this lad's just walking around then. Yeah, no, he's not rested. Two days later, Father Malloy is buried in the graveyard of the parish. What the fuck? This is the opening of his funeral read by the bishop, which I'm going to read out now. Father Niall and I grew up. We came from the same town. We went to the Christian Brothers National School in Roscommon. 
then to Summerhill College Sligo. We were classmates at the Irish College in Rome for six years. He was in Rome for six years. Wow. Like, that's insane. As a boy, he was the gentlest in the class. He never raised his voice, even when provoked. Niall never lost his gentleness, that winning smile of his. These qualities won for him the respect of all. As a prefect in Summerhill College, these were the qualities that secured discipline and respect where more vocal prefects failed. His kindness and sensitivity manifested itself in his treatment of all God's creatures. A great lover of horses, as a young man, he proved himself to be an expert show jumper. We went to Rome together and came up together in the Irish college, shoulder to shoulder. We were both ordained priests on the same day in the Lateran Basilica by Archbishop Tragelia. Father Niall's gentleness and affability made him one of the most popular students in the college. These qualities followed him around in his priesthood, enhanced by the sacred character of his ordination. Oh, this is very nice. Niall too had his share of sadness in his life. Seven years ago, he buried three members of his family in one year. Breed, Pauline and Alice. In a bereavement, he showed a depth of fate, which was an inspiration to his family and indeed to all of us. So yeah, they had like a number, like his dad died and then a number of other people. Yeah. He served as a curate in Lockery at Lone in St. Mary Sligo. And finally here in Furity, Furity, F-U-E-R-T-Y. Don't know that at all. He was always dedicated and well-beloved. His care for the church buildings and environs was the envy of other priests. Recently, he had put his heart and soul into the provision of the community centre for the youth of the parish. To his sisters Eileen and Sue, his brother Billy, his uncle Father Martin, to all his parishioners, to all his relatives and many friends, our hearts go out in sincere sympathy. It is a trial of fate for us all. May the Lord deepen our fate and console us all in the truth that those who die in grace go no further from us than God who is always very near. May the gentle soul of Father Niall rest in peace. That's so sad. That's actually a lovely... Isn't that a really nice... A lovely eulogy. Like, oh, she's really, really sweet. And was everybody, like... Uh, everybody was, like, genuinely shocked. People, like, and this man's been beaten to death. Like, what's happening here? Yeah, and no, like, it was all kind of in hushed tones. Hush. Like, so, Figured the family... Sure. Like, his sister Susanna got a phone call from someone in the um, Flynn household that was like, he's died we don't really know what's this the next day we don't really know what's happened they all know they know he's been beaten they, the guards are there like the guards are in the house when someone made this call oh, and gross. then in the call they almost like have this agreement where they both agree that they'll tell people it's a heart attack but she doesn't know that he's been murdered she just is like oh, I, I don't it's really like know what's happened like a sudden kind of thing yeah. or whatever but he was so like, like they tell people that he's had a heart attack what the that she fuck? agreed like the, his sister is like so lovely because the family have just been we'll get into it Three months later in Kilbegan District Court, Richard Flynn is charged with the manslaughter oh. of Father Niall Malloy. His trial is set to start on July 12th, 1986. In the Dublin Criminal Court, the trial began with 13 witnesses given evidence for the prosecution. There is little to no cross-examination. The big witness for the prosecution is Dr. Harbison, who performed the autopsy and the what is it that I can't think of any words 
the person that goes out, the pathologist. Oh, that's a good man, John. Um, he told the jury and the court that he concluded that Father Malloy had died of acute brain swelling. The bruising and the bleed on the brain had been a result of being punched multiple times, a minimum of five. Paddy McEntee, counsel for the defence, then gets up and asks Harbison, could the priest's death be due to a heart condition? As Father Malloy's heart was noted to be weakened and showing signs of deterioration during the autopsy. He proposed that if Father Malloy was angry during the argument, could his heart condition cause acute heart failure? This may have led to his collapse. He may have hit his head and caused the injury and then ultimately death. Harbison said that he could not exceed that possibility, but he reiterated that in his opinion, that was not the case and he had died due to the injuries of his brain. And before he got to say anything else, McEntee made an application to the judge to remove the jury from the court. Why? He then made an application that the jury should be asked not to deliberate because the evidence now stated that his heart could have caused his death during an argument. Given that the cause of the death was in question, Mr. Justice Rowe heard the submission that the cause of death was now beyond reasonable doubt and therefore the charge of manslaughter could could not be ruled in. For fuck's sake. He also added that Richard Flynn had struck Father Malloy in self-defence. He said that the parties involved had been drunk and exhausted and with all of that, it would take very little to kill Father Malloy. And all of that should be considered that this was self-defence. The state state's counsel in reply said the injuries occurred to Father Malloy required a vast degree of force to inflict. He had no defensive wounds. None. And self-defence was not an acceptable outcome. Judge Rowe considered the application for a short while, short while and then ultimately agreed to grant Ma- Mr. McEntee's, Mr. McEntee's application to direct a jury that an assault and manslaughter could now not be proven due to Dr. Harbison. The prosecution could not prove that more folk could not prove that more force than usual was used and the charges would be dropped. He recalled the jury and instructed them to find a verdict of not guilty. Justice Rowe said the entire affair was regrettable and four hours into the case, it was over and Richard Flynn walked free. What the fuck? No charge, like... Nothing. He didn't even get called to, like, the stand. But that is, like... A couple of weeks later, an inquest was held in Tullamore, which is standard in Ireland. It was expected that some answers would come from this, as both Teresa and Richard would have had to give evidence. More detailed evidence was given during the inquest that refuted the defence's case from the criminal case that we just noted above. Father Malloy had clearly died from a brain hemorrhage due to being violently attacked and his heart had continued to pump for a number of hours after that assault because there was a blood clot found. That proved his heart was still beating after he was beaten. So it wasn't a fucking heart attack. No. Despite his heart condition, none of the pathological evidence detracted from the cause of death being due to violent assault to the head, face and neck. In relation to the issue of self-defence, he stated that there were no signs of defence or self-defensive wounds to Father Noemalai's body. He would nothing on his hands. He hadn't held his hands up to, like, stop being hit. Like, nothing. Misadventure was also discussed, i.e. did the tired drunk scenario stack up, so as in, like, what the guy said above. Yeah. 
if Father Malloy had a blood alcohol level that was well within the limits of ordinary social drinking at the time, he would not have been considered to be drunk at that time. Dr. O'Sullivan then gave evidence, so that's the doctor, family doctor, yeah. that when he spoke to Richard Flynn, Flynn had told him that he had hit Malloy, that he had fallen and had gotten up, but he then hit him again. He also said that Richard said that the argument had started downstairs okay. and he presumed that Father Malloy had gone upstairs to discuss the matter further. Teresa Flynn gave evidence and it was fucking pointless. Really? She said she had a lapse of memory and had been treated for hysteria in the aftermath of his death. And that was it. Wonderful. Thanks, Teresa. Richard Flynn then gave evidence. He insisted that he was attacked by his wife and the priest. He denied those statements made by Dr. O'Sullivan. And furthermore, he disagreed with Dr. Harbison that he had hit Father Malai more than twice. However, he did state that he could not remember much after the second blow. He solely blamed his wife saying Oof. the entire incident had happened due to the overtiredness of his wife. What a stand-up guy. Jesus Christ. What he was like, my wife called? caused me to kill this man. It's all my wife's fault? Yeah. You punched his head in and it's your fucking wife's fault, you yeah. piece of shit? And you owed him 11,000 euro that you hadn't given back. Pound, not even euro. And now you don't got to worry about that because you killed him and he's yeah. dead and you got all your charges dropped. And I'm about to go into like all of the stuff they stole. Like, they, like this whole case gets like muddy and muddier. Deputy Connor Brian Mahan stated that the cardiac arrest was not a factor in his mat in this set. He accepted the evidence of Dr. Harbison and further said to go from the premise that Father Malloy died from cardiac arrest after getting emotionally involved is taken a great leap. I do not believe that any of them were drunk. I can only agree that something gave way for that anger to arise in one, two or three of the individuals involved. This inquiry, inquiry has not been told what caused it. The jury returned a verdict of death due to acute brain swelling due to an injury to the head. But despite the findings of the inquiry, there are still so many questions. Father Malloy's family still had no reason as to why their brother was dead. There were so many unanswered questions. Father Malloy's face was cleaned of blood. He'd been dragged across the floor. Why? And there was also no time of death established at all. Oh. The evidence about the financial burden Father Malloy was under due to Richard Flynn was never mentioned in court. A watch was returned to the family from the Garda two days after the autopsy and it was notably broken. Father Malloy had always worn it. It had stopped at precisely 10.40pm. But the Garda gave evidence that the watch had been working during the post-mortem. They didn't give evidence, by the way. They just said to the um, family, like, this is nothing to be concerned about. So could, so this was considered not to be an indicator of the time of the attack. Dr. Harbison stated that he had no recollection of a watch. It was not mentioned to the guard to him either, but some other guard said that he had the watch during the, like, autopsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was revealed a year later that five statements had been made about the watch by the Garda. These had not been handed over to the council for Father Malloy. Two of the Garda statements did not appear in the inquest file either. And one of the statements indicated that the watch was damaged before the post-mortem, i.e. when he was murdered. None of these Garda were asked to read their statements during the inquest, despite being present in the courtroom. 
The time of death is a big question in this case. None of the Flynns gave statements until they had all spoken to their family lawyer. So the statements are almost identical, but there is a dispute in those statements. These statements conflicted with independent witnesses who were not in the family who saw them that night or were present in the family home. Younger Flynns say that they saw Richard, Teresa and Father Malloy when they were outside on their way to the pub when they were on their way back from the neighbours at 9.30. But Kilcrossy workers say that they saw Richard and Teresa in the property at 9.15 and 9.20. The pub they say they all left, the pub they said they were all in until 12. It was a Sunday and the pub would have closed early and they would have left around 10pm that night and the guy who owned the pub was like, we closed on a Sunday at 10. So they... Statements about the details of the discussion... But the solicitor were also given to the Gardaí. So both statements were witnessed by TJ Dunn and Detective Sergeant. They're dated the 18th of the 7th, 1985, which is Susanna Ryan, and the 22nd of the 7th, 1985, which is Susanna Allen, and their father, father Malloy's sister and niece. One would, have assumed, one would have assumed that the Gardaí would have interviewed the solicitor, Niall, who dealt with the... Yeah. Who they dealt with in the days before his death... Two detectives from the Dublin Castle did pay a visit relevant to the solicitors, but the cold case unit told me that they could not find any record of the visit and none were included in the book of evidence. So this whole thing of like them saying that he went and like gave 11,000. Yeah. The guards went and verified that because it was like the information was given to them by his family. Yeah. And uh, it was never Ever, ever put into the book of evidence, evidence and there's no record of the visit oh this goes all the way to the top dude it does it gets worse before father Malloy's death his home was burglarized it was reported in the local paper because it's local news but also because deeply unusual his desk had been pried open and personal effects had been stolen along with a small amount of cash the cash was found at the back of the property but none of the personal effects were which is like really bizarre why the fuck would they leave the cash like it also transpired after Father Malloy's death that Teresa Flynn had taken an accidental death policy out on Father Malloy the documents came to light when she attempted to cash in the policy because her and her husband owed a sum of about £400,000 to the tax man for three businesses that he had not paid tax on she was noted on the policy as being his sister but she could not provide the documents proving she was his sister. Therefore, there was no payment. She has never been questioned, nor has she ever been charged with insurance fraud whatsoever. Insurance it was all in the paper as well. Father Malloy's will was also never found. He would have had to make a will as part of being a member of the armed services and being unmarried. It's like a requirement yeah. if you're a priest. The family were never able to establish the full details of his financial affairs as Teresa Flynn would never produce any documentation and most of their bank accounts that she held for the businesses with her and Niall were in both of their names. She didn't have to. This is fucking ridiculous. However, Teresa being the greedy cunt that she had pursued in writing to the church and the state saying that she's named in the will and ultimately entitled to the benefit from his estate. No, bitch. No, you're not. It was never found. There's also a question over. So do you remember I said Aunt May was still in the house and two people stayed behind her? Yes. Aunt May's really old. She's a little lady. Aunt May slept in the room next to where this attack apparently happened. Okay. 
Aunt May was the oldest member of the Flynn family to reside in Kilcorsey House. According to her statement, she was one of the last people to see Father Niall alive before he met his violent death. She says that she had spoken to him around midnight. He was on his way to bed and he had a drink in his hand. Niall suffered from ulcers and he had a glass of milk found beside his bed. Seemed so like quite often have milk. Yeah. Aunt May clearly states that she was the last person to go to bed that night. She said, I went into my room, closed the door and I went to bed and I didn't hear anything else for the night. Niall was dead by 1am in a room along the corridor from May's room. There was allegedly an argument, a violent struggle. Over the next few hours, hysterical Teresa Flynn had to be restrained. Teresa also had to be sedated by a doctor, despite the fact that she'd been drinking and had been taking sleeping tablets. Aunt May apparently didn't hear anything. Numerous people arrived in cars from 1am and there were a lot of people upstairs to visit the scene of the killing. A priest, a doctor, a family members, a number of guardian were all up and down the stairs during the night but Aunt May apparently didn't hear anything. There is no record of the guardas speaking to this woman or asking her for a statement despite the fact that she had not left the house all day except to go to mass that morning. So she would have been a perfect person to speak to. Her statement was not included in the family statements handed over into the Gardaí by the family. In fact, her statement taken later turned up at the inquest, but there is no record of when it was handed into the Gardaí. May read out her statement at the inquest and when finished, she was asked by the coroner to sign it because she didn't even sign it. Oh my God, what the fuck? Now, there's also a really odd statement given by David Flynn. So David Flynn is a guy who they all said they went to sandwiches in yes. Tubber. Yes. Um, and he, outside the inquest, RTE, essentially a reporter stops him and asks him. And he gives this really fucking weird statement. David Flynn is asked by a reporter, has he found it difficult to handle the rumours and speculation surrounding the case? He replies, extremely difficult. It's very difficult, maybe. When one knows certain answers and isn't in a position to comment, it makes it difficult to live with. Oh my God. David. To the effect, Father Niall's death 28 years ago. Oh, this is, um, this is actually a statement from the family. Okay. So this is Father Niall's family. It's Father Niall's family. Yeah. Okay. To the effect of Father Niall's death 28 years ago was not only to rob his family of a kind and gentle pastor and a friend but to place them under a dark cloud, a dark cloud, which still hangs over us all to this day. Some family member, members, particularly Ian Marr, fought with all of their strength for justice to be done, lost their jobs or sometimes their health and their family in the process, and perhaps died before their time. There were sometimes temporary breaks in the cloud when it looked like the truth might somehow be revealed, but they were only to be thwarted by further setbacks. The greatest of the many injustices done to Father Malloy and his family, apart from taking of his life, was the damage done to his good name by the calculated vicious leaking of false innuendo to sully his reputation. So it's like stuff about him like essentially being in a relationship with this woman. Which I don't I don't think they were. It doesn't sound like they were. I think she knew what she was doing. It it sounds like he was naive yeah. and she was just kind of using him. Yeah. And then even the like the like fraudulent insurance claims saying she was his sister yeah there's speculation over even if it was his, his signature on the document like Jesus the family may have lost faith in this country's institutions but they have never lost faith in the intrinsic goodness of the Irish people and their belief that one day someone would look to their conscience and once and for all reveal the truth 
To facilitate this, the members of Father Niles' family call for a full public inquiry into all aspects of the smasher, including the roles played by the institutions of the state in preventing the truth from being revealed. Only when this has been done will the family find closure and the cloud will be lifted. There's also one last twist in this tale. Okay. Mr. Martin Cahill, the famous, like, gangster. Yeah. There was a, in the, like, late 80s, I think it was the 90s, actually. It's the late 80s. There, he had documents stolen from the courts. Do you remember I told this yes. story? Yes. In those documents were documents from Father Malloy's case. Because obviously the guy just went in and lifted everything. Grabbed whatever he could. And then Veronica Guerin was like, got to see those documents. And she wrote an expose that said that there was a letter in it from like a very, essentially the Minister for Justice. Pretty much saying that like this case needs to like go away. And that there was two letters in it. But she didn't, like, there was no proof because she didn't, like, reveal her sources and the letters, the, the evidence was never found. Um, And if it was found, those letters weren't in it. But she essentially wrote, like, a story saying that, like, this is, like, a corrupt case. This Something is, like, fucked up all the way from here. the very start. Like, essentially... Yeah, that's from the top, dude. The um judge in the original case that essentially says that, like, tells the jury, like, to, to, to plead, make... Yeah. To real to say that this guy's innocent. Yeah. Gets a letter from essentially like the minister for uh, justice to be like, you need to make this go away. What the fuck? And then also the priest that, or not the priest, the solicitor that um, he said that he was there and gave £11,000. Yeah. He was then brought up for question and then he was like essentially... um Investigated by like whatever like ombudsman looks after like solicitors and lawyers for essentially like misleading this guy because he was like you can't he said that he like was doing like his financial affairs and stuff but they were like you can't be doing that and telling him to give 11,000 euro to like clearly a very bad land deal like the deal was rejected yeah because, like the fact that that poor priest agreed to that is like yeah is, is kind of evident shows evidence that he was very naive incredibly and naive and maybe too kind to a fault yeah um, and his family have no idea like he had a lot of money for the time he had a yeah. lot of money like the family have no idea how much money like they like both those two people so Teresa and Richard Flynn yeah. are now dead they both died so no justice for this man whatsoever like there is literally and his family have like a a website and his uh, nephew now like runs the website but like throughout all the years you watch all these videos so my sources by the way excuse me are the journal the family's own website have like all of the information um and then there was a documentary play made on RTE a couple of months ago called the killing of father Nile, which i watched at the time and then the independent as well oh, but um to date no one has been held like just been not like, like just that been, man was beaten to death he was beaten to death dragged eight foot on a carpet mm. put on the floor and the man downstairs went i'm the culprit i did this and he walked free. Yeah. And then his wife was trying to make an insurance claim. Fraud. Yeah. She walked free. Mm-hmm. She, what do you mean? She didn't even get she questioned. She didn't get questioned. She's like, I was suffering with hysteria. Auntie May was in the bedroom. Yeah. Off her tits, probably. Yeah. Didn't hear her thing. Like, I feel for his family. 
Because imagine the frustration of being like, so what happened to him? Yeah. He was beaten to death and nobody's taking any responsibility for it. And you're not going to give anybody any time served for this. No. So my, my brother, my son is just dead and then that's it. And the Minister for Justice is like, nothing's going to be done now. That's fucking disgraceful. You know how I feel about priests. I know. That's disgraceful, his poor family. Horrible. It's all money. Money, 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 money. That's all that is. The amount of people that walk away from shit like that because they have fucked tons of money. But the worst thing about it is that other dude, the the husband, he was shit with money. He didn't have any fucking money. Yeah. He was up to his eyes in tax. Up to his eyes in debt. And then there, uh, there's, a say, there's a feeling that like in the town, a lot of people like helped silence it and look the other way it wouldn't surprise me uh, because an awful lot of the town were like on the payroll it so like uh, people have come out since then to say that there was like a phone call made like just essentially like that this had happened and that people in the house were like told to like not stay like keep your mouth shut like um, an awful lot of well believe well the fact that when the priest rang even the priest rang the guards and was like keep this on the down low what's that about Keep this on the download. The man was beaten to death. Beaten With not a death. single defensive wound on his body. No. So like, was he knocked out and then repeatedly Yeah, beaten? so like, what it sounds like, what they think happened is, so there's a couple of things that they think happened. The first thing is, is that they think he came into the room to like continue on the conversation. Right. So they think that the argument started downstairs and they think there was a conversation around money. So they think he was like, you owe me like this money. Like, of course, yeah. and then that it almost like died down, and that's why he was like, "I'm going to bed," and had like the glass of milk and, and went into his off. room. But then they think that like maybe he was in there, and he was like, "No, I didn't like get any resolution yeah. from this. I need." So apparently, it wouldn't be uncommon either for him to actually kind of sit on the bed and have a chat with the two of them. Okay. Like apparently, that wasn't uncommon. Which I know just... to everybody else seems like really bananas, but I suppose when you're like comfortable and in, in that scenario, yeah. like maybe, but like. And back then, priests were like gods to people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They weren't even... Not to these people. They weren't, but like in the sense that like they weren't seen as like just a normal person. It was like, that's the priest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and then what they think happened is that he brought it up again and that um, the like, he got up and punched them essentially. Right. And then she apparently became hysterical. She apparently was asleep. Cause she was on like she drank alcohol and sleeping tablets. Okay. And as she got up in the like minute, and that he punched her full force and apparently knocked her out. And that then Father Malloy got back up, right. and then he started to punch him again. Okay. And then it became like quite furious. So that's when they think he they they dragged him over to the bathroom to like essentially splash, splash water, water on his face, face to try wake him up. Now there is another thinking that like it actually was her that dragged that like went and got the water and like tried to wake him up, um like regardless of what was meant because people have fights and they escalate and maybe he didn't mean to kill him that's still manslaughter sir manslaughter there is not like it'd be different if there was defensive wounds on this guy's body there was nothing no even that thing of like well his heart was bad. Like, I don't, I don't understand how the judge was like, yeah, yeah get his heart, yeah, his heart was bad. Uh, drop everything, but knock it out of court. he still died because he was in You a, were punching he his punched. head in. Like, I, I don't, that's the thing when I was, like, reading the story, I was like, hey, like, what? what like, the cause of his heart attack, if it was a heart attack, it wasn't, clearly. But the cause of his heart attack was your attack. Yeah. Your assault. 
You caused it. Yeah, I was just like, this is like absolutely. It is like you bonk. jumped out from like this is 1985 as well. It's not that yeah, long it's ago. Not that long ago. It's insane. Well, um, very well done, Sarah Jane. Very frustrating. I hate those cases. Are so frustrating. Because I just keep thinking of their family. Imagine that being your family member and being like, no one is listening to me. Yeah. And so he died and someone killed him and why is nobody in jail for this? Do you want to go stay in the house? With the ghosts? Well, no, it's a big fancy house. Like, Let's stay in the big fancy house. It's like a hotel. That's really fucked up. It's a poor family. It's really sad. And that's all about money, Sarah. Yeah. It's all about money. The amount of people that walk away from really fucked up shit they do because they've got a massive bank account. But also the amount of people that like do terrible things for money. Yeah. Like the country as well. People are mad about land and so horses. They love land and they love horses. The field, the field. Read John B. Keane's The Field. Oh jeez, sure lads. He was mad about that field. He was. He gave me my field, <laughs> and they were like, "No, you can't have this field." That's the whole play. <laughs> no, no, no field for my you. My field. That's literally the whole entire play. But very, very well done, Sarah Jane. Thanks very much. I very, very much enjoyed it. I like when you tell me stories. I like it's when I... It's my favourite. I, I love like it. when I don't have to tell stories. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed your story. That took me, honestly... Uh, like, I started oh. writing it... It has taken me about nine hours to write. Yeah. And about two weeks of just like <sighs> reading loads of different and watching documentaries yeah. and like going back and watching all the interviews like it's taken me that one is a long one because it's a long one dude you've got like the, all the courts and the inquest yeah, and then like yeah, yeah. the Veronica Guerin thing and blah blah blah, blah. Well, good job. Um, anyway. Good job, my dude. Thank you very much for listening to my story. I enjoyed it. I like when I get t- told stories. I am so tired. I need to wake up. Well, we need to do another oh, thingy now. Oh, my God. Um, I hope everybody has a nice week. Enjoy your week, lads. Uh, be nice to everybody. Me and Emma are going to New York in May. We're going to New York, baby. If anybody wants to meet us and no, buy us pizza. stop it. <laughs> Sarah's looking to get murdered. I'm fully convinced. I'm Helen, Helen will come meet us. Helen will pizza. come buy us pizza. If anybody is in New York that time, actually, yeah. let's go for let's go for a, a whiskey. Oh, I love a whiskey. We are staying in the East Village. Yeah, we are. So if you're, um, I'm already finding tons of places for us to go. I don't care where we go as long as I get to eat fried <laughs> chicken. And, and she wants to go to a cheesecake factory. Korean barbecue, and I really want to go to a cheesecake. Like factory, we'll go to a cheesecake I've never factory. been to a cheesecake factory. I have a question, but I want to eat the cheesecake in the cheesecake factory. I have a question about cheesecake factory. Yeah, is it just cheesecake? No, they do like food. Oh, why is it called cheesecake? Because their specialty is cheesecake. I bet and it's they've got be like milk. no, they've got like massive mint versions. Cheesecake. It better not taste like fake flavorings. I don't. I have never had a bad cheesecake in New York. Uh, New York. Happy birthday. Okay, everybody, have a lovely week. Happy Oh man, what a wonderful day in the Houston house. It's a beautiful day. Oh, I wonder who could be at the door. How are you, Bono? Edge, what's happening? Did you listen to that podcast I recommended to you? No, man. I've been too busy hammering nails into the soul of the tree of pain. Two feminists bitching on a podcast talking about murders. It's an interesting podcast. It's a podcast. One's from Longford, one's from the big schmuck. They started telling stories, now the internet is broke.
So you think you feel blessed, but she's in a bad mood because one of them is deaf. Stone deaf. Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane can't say her second name mainly because her husband Graham don't want any of the blame. Jacko, Bella, oh, Hades, be good for your mammies, cause they're two scary ladies. They go around looking for men after dark, so be careful if you're hanging around the Liffey Valley car park. Cause it's all about the matriarch. They're looking for young fellas, looking for creeps, they grab them and they throw them in the back of Sarah's Jeep. And they pull out their fucking teeth. My, my, my men are scum All men are scum Let's castrate all the cunts Oh, murder my It's a feminist podcast show